0: Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut, drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut. Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks, and come and listen in. We're measuring flicks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley, and I'm Max Peterson, and we are. Uh, this is the end. Of, I don't even know what episode this is supposed to be, Carl. It's been. I don't know. It's been... <laughs> November, October, somewhere So we're doing, today we're talking about 2019's The Lighthouse A.K.A. 2020 the movie Directed oh, by shit. <laughs> Directed by Robert Eggers Starring, you guys are going to love this cast list Here we go Starring Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, and Valeria Karaman And that's Oh, there's it. a
1: Logan Hawks in there too, bud
0: Yeah, he's okay, Logan Hawks in there for what? 28 <laughs> fifty seconds, seconds of cumulative screen time.
1: Super fucking important fifty seconds of community, community s- events or whatever you just said.
0: <laughs> cumulative screen time? Yeah. His, screen his time, time yes. on screen is very it's story story establishing. Yeah. Um this movie is why Connor Sweeney is getting his own fucking month. Okay? Yep. Like this is this shit. Connor, oh my fucking god, dude. You've you've knocked it out of the park again.
1: This uh, one, I forgot that this was a Connor Sweeney.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's been harping on us.
1: This is a Connor Sweeney.
0: <laughs> he's been uh, he's been honest to watch this since I think like I think since like the second it came out because he saw it at the state I think when they were screening it there and he was working oh, there. Oh,
1: that's right. He was like uh, one of the night right chaplains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was working night chaplain. <laughs> yeah, he was rocking yeah. the
0: midnight stick over at state. Anybody who got to see this on the big screen, I am so. Envious man, like I watching it at home was amazing. You know, like good speakers, yeah. big bigish TV it was awesome. But can you imagine seeing this? Like, but the crazy thing about high. it, man, is
1: because it's even if you see this on a big screen, it's shot it's shot on a postage stamp. Fuck. So, like,
0: yes, okay. Do you want to talk about the aspect ratio the right as, away? But
1: it's it's uh, yeah because it's the first thing that I noticed I'm like, oh, oh fuck, this is like for watching an original like. Uh this is the aspect ratio they used. they shot like Dracula in. Yeah, like, it lo-
0: I have so many notes that say this is like uh 2020s Dracula or yep. or Frankenstein. It reminds me a lot of Frankenstein yep. especially cuz there's so much brick and chain and towers. It has a very visually gothic look, you know. Um, also, the fact that it's in a fairly stark, kind of vaguely high contrast black and white, it almost looks like um, silver nitrate photography, but mm-hmm. on screen. You know what I mean?
1: The the score feels
0: very Philip Glassy to me. Oh, like I have the, uh, the score is on Spotify for anybody who wants to watch it. Feels very Philip Glassy. You were saying? Yeah. Oh, the, the like kind of kind of minimalist, but also brutalist.
1: It, absolutely. Yes. Yes. It comes at you when you least expect it, and just like. Puts you on your butt.
0: Part of what I love, this movie kind of was like an echo in a way uh, of Midsummer for me, in that it feels very art house. Y- you think so too? <laughs> God
1: damn it. Yes. Like the perfect follow up film to Midsummer and how much that affected me. Yeah. This just folds over like this beautiful layer of flavor. You're just going to fold it right into the dough. And just work itself into that whole Brain space Fuck man
0: Dude completely One of the things I love so much about our show Is the way that we do themes in the months Because sometimes like right now Just the way that we watch The order that we watch movies in Affects the way that I watch them Now like complete This is completely an example of that Because having just watched Midsummer, The bar was super high for whatever we were going to watch next and then it's the, light, the lighthouse, and it starts with like a gray box that's only like a third of your screen, and you're I'm like okay, I mean two dudes on a boat. Yeah, it, we went from like the splendor, the like rich, vibrant, hyper saturated splendor of midsummer to like this super stark silver nitrate, black and white, that mournful fog one. Oh, my God. And speaking of the score, that's one of the things I love most about the sound design in this movie and how it interacts with the music. Like the just the the foghorn, like the foghorn on the island becomes part of the landscape. It becomes part of your
1: breath. like it's it's oh my God, that foghorn it becomes part of your DNA about thirty minutes in because <laughs> it starts to make you crazy. Yeah. And yeah. then you realize like it's part of the score and the score is is like using that
0: foghorn is and it's oh my god it's, it is one if of the most we're... visually gorgeous we'll get to but like the sound design the 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 way that the waves you can always hear the ocean yeah. and it, the ocean grinds on you too you know it's that Splashing crashing never still right and then eventually they add in the component of rain You know and we've got suddenly we've got you know like Torrential rain and wind and the ocean and then the foghorn in the background, you know and then that Incessant ticking of the clock You know that fucking clock and the clockwork that turns the lighthouse, you know like there's there's all these moving machine parts
1: you constantly have to feed the beast too. It's not Right. You could you could stop it and gain your sanity, but then the lighthouse goes dark. You have to keep feeding this fucking thing whole and listen to its screams. <clears throat>
0: This is sort of like playing with mythological characters. Proteus, I think it sure. was, is the like the original old man of the seas, very wise and grizzled, and that's Willem Dafoe. And then Prometheus, who stole fire, tried to s- climbed up a mountain and stole fire from the gods. You well, know?
1: the end, the end of this movie, Robert Pattinson is literally Prometheus's. Um, yeah, that's how he lives in hell. He gets his liver eaten by. Um, birds of the Sea every night And then he regenerates And then the next day they Eat his bowels and intestines all over again So that's how we find Robert Pattinson's character At the <laughs> okay. end of this So yeah. Oh by I the way spoilers <laughs> Oh yeah well anyone that's listened to this show For any more than one or two episodes Should know that's fucking true. spoilers Thomas Howard and Thomas Wake They're both named Thomas
0: There's. This kind is of... one of my favorite things about this movie Is how It truly creeps into your head and drives you mad. You were talking about how that foghorn can drive you mad. Well, it's about a character going crazy. And, well, it's about two characters going crazy. It's
1: about the evils of alcohol, Max.
0: One sip of turpentine and you just go off the rails, man. I read a lot of stuff online that was saying, you know, this is about two men in a giant phallus who don't know themselves and you, I, I don't want to get into the psychology because you can go and read that elsewhere. I like the mechanics of this film. Yeah. The way that it's shot, the eye, the, the, the cinematic eye behind the camera is just flawless. There's so many. There was another movie we described recently as w- like watching someone's nightmare. This mm-hmm. movie turns into that about halfway through and maintains that weird... Off-kilter nightmare quality Don't know what's real feeling For yeah. the rest of the film It sustains it for like an hour Where you have no idea what's what's real One of the best lines in here is I might just be a figment of your imagination And you have no idea if he's just Fucking with him Because yep. that's not this necessarily is- out of character
1: <laughs> So yeah cause When I come back and, and think about this flick Man it's, it's not a movie This like visual poetry It's it's cause the story doesn't really make a lot of sense. Cause you're lost for most of it.
0: Right.
2: There's it's some a...
1: Cthulhu there's some Cthulhu-y shit that's happening. There's some body dysmorphia. There's some um, people are losing their minds. Is this actually a story about two sailors on lighthouse duty for six weeks?
0: I think it's kind of I, it isn't. I think it's kind of like Inception as told by HP Lovecraft, in a way.
1: Absolutely. You yeah. Know? I
0: don't it... directed by Panos Cosmatos. You yeah, know, no, like shit. Dude seriously though some of these like psychedelic visuals that are in here Like for example when he's working on the cistern He goes and treats it with chalk So he it's you know and he dumps chalk down into this like subterranean tankard of black water And it's just this the cistern itself is horrifying And then when we yeah. cut back to that uh, the bird's eye view looking down And that chalk is swirling in that like ever-changing whirling white and black BOOM in the score. BOOM
2: in the score. That just blows out behind it. Phenomenal.
0: It's fucking phenomenal, bro. That just blows out behind it. Phenomenal. It's fucking phenomenal, Carl. That is absolutely beautiful. And then later in the film, there's a bit where Wake starts to... Uh, it's after everything's gone completely off the rails. The storm is Which hit. Which time? The fr- yeah, oh, that's yeah, the, 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 the seventh. The fourth time after it's the storm. Not Robert
1: Pattinson killing over-killing
0: a seagull. Holy shit! Have you ever seen it? It made me. It was like it made me laugh. It was fucking hilarious. It popped me right back to fucking Cannibal Holocaust. Man, I was like, oh, oh, oh I know it's a seagull, and we all hate them, but like, look, it's it's like it's stringy. Look at it's, his poor little head. Yes. <laughs> And then it's like skin slapping like lunch meat on the fucking oh, sister. It's all peeling out. I'm like, oh, oh, poor little seagull. Um, that absolutely phenomenal prosthetic though. And you laughed, but I wanted to give a shout out to Robert Pattinson because there is nothing goofier than beating a fake seagull against some rocks and screaming while someone's standing there cranking a camera at you. You know, like that's an absurd thing to have to do. And he and sold going it. Probably. Yeah,
1: going probably about five times more than you think you should.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like he's like, uh oh, just just give me a variety and we'll use what we're gonna use. And then they used the whole all two and a half minutes of the fucking seagull to death. Given what we'd seen in the film up to that point, I thought that was pretty shockingly violent. The seagull is the first, like, grotesque bit of violence we see. Yeah, you're
1: right. It is, because everything else is just a little off before then. I mean, you're kind of—God, what did I text you? Like, 45 minutes into me watching this, uh, like, this whole movie feels like the first 10 minutes of uh, There Will Be Blood. Or,
0: um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you—yeah, yeah, the first—and you said it was the first half, because after that, that's when it gets <laughs> into hairy. Inception Yeah, exactly
1: it's kind of quiet and you're just going through
0: there's no dialogue
1: process right <laughs> there's very little di- well there's no dialogue in. and there will be blood or this but one. there's very little dialogue here either and we are seeing the process of taking care of the lighthouse what the daily chores are the monotony of it all <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah <laughs> Uh, the pan, the pandemic's been weird for me. Okay, uh, like, yeah,
0: I think we're kind of all in the same boat. I, maybe no one's listening to this, Carl. I might. <laughs> Everyone's everything's mixing together. I might just be a figment of your
2: imagination.
1: Oh, my God, you might be, but can we drink kerosene and, <laughs> yeah. and slow dance?
0: Honestly, it's the only way we're ever going to know for sure if I'm a figment of your imagination. We got to get a bucket of turpentine on the Bill Pullman's bar cart, by the way, because this this is outstanding drinking and emotion picture material up and down. And good drunk acting, too. Holy well, shit. That's... By the way, Connor, you're right. You are 100,000% right. Willem Dafoe got fucked at the Oscars because this is... This is some next level shit. This is performance like I haven't seen since Midsummer, which is the last movie you recommended to us. Dude, outstanding performance by Willem Dafoe. Absolutely you know outstanding. What, do you know what makes it like above and beyond
1: what you expect for the like he is playing At times, a very cartoony version of they even call it out in the movie of the old salty sea dog, Uh me legs, and like (laughs) Thomas (laughs) Howard calls him out as like anything but like a peg leg and an eye patch, you're a fucking caricature of yourself. Right. But he he is sometimes that and he's sometimes that. Like he is the salty old sea dog in a very real way, but then he's also this weird fucking kind of cartoony version caricature of that but blends them together where they're often the same thing at the same time
0: yeah yeah there's the it's wild there's
2: yeah,
0: because i was wondering if uh wake was Gaslighting Howard and I'm like is he And then it hit me that a lighthouse Is literally a giant Gas light light. And I was like oh my God someone is hilarious (laughs) Uh, Robert Eggers and I think his brother Max Eggers Wrote this together I want to say this is a fucking hell of a script. You watch? Uh, Robert
1: Eggers and Max Eggers, yeah, they wrote this shit together.
0: I just recently lent you The Witch. This is the other movie that uh that this guy did, Robert Eggers, and it it's truly an amazing film. I I used to think that it was one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I still think it is, but I think the I think The Lighthouse, he's he's making strides forward. And The Witch Man, is not I don't slouch. even
1: classify this as a horror flick. I really don't. There's some there's some horrific shit that happens and some of it's unsettling and some mm-hmm. of it is Straight up terrifying. But I don't know. This sits in a different category altogether for
0: me. I don't, I don't view this as horror. You could almost call it like an extreme drama or like a mythological I so. drama. I mean, honestly, that's more where I, yeah. there's nothing in here that's more or less. Th- there's nothing in here that's more violent or grotesque than the stuff that you encounter in mythology. It's just weird to see two humans doing it in the context of this little like kind of lighthouse fable. It's, and it's hard to talk about it too because it, it takes such a strange left turn in the middle um, By the way, the first dialogue in this film, 7 minutes and 20 seconds in So the first 7.20, you're right, it's that there will be blood thing He shows up, the set design is gorgeous Especially the way that the set deteriorates over the course of the storm But we get to see him You know uh, He's Feeding the Feeding the coal Into the The machinery that runs the, This big klaxon The foghorn And we see him Hauling Oh my god Watching him Fucking haul that barrel up To To put oil in the lamp mm-hmm. You're my back was just like
1: i couldn't i I,
0: <laughs> I took I, two advil just watching that scene i'm like god it was dude
1: so it was so bad because <laughs> he's a fit fit but he's just like
0: spent it's it's, so it's like far taking over. a
1: fucking keg of beer to like the top story Up a spiral of, staircase <laughs> yeah fuck <laughs> that shit even if you've never had an injury in your life you're 19 years old super fit you're not after that. You do that one time, and you're broken for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we get, uh, you know, next time use this oil can and save yourself some work. Right, and now, dick.
1: <laughs> he's the absolute fucking worst. Next time you might want to use that oil can, and save yourself some legwork.
0: That, oh, and that's, speaking of that spiral staircase, I know we're jumping all over, but I'm fine with it. I, It's the only ah. way to talk about this movie. And also... I feel a little crazy these days, Carl. It, I feel a little crazy these days, Carl. I'm cooped up, and and this is the you first. Catch. You're the first human I've spoken to. Where I was not selling wine to. We haven't spoken in weeks, so yeah, I get it. But dude, that the lighthouse. This is what made me think originally of Frankenstein. That t- that that spiral staircase. Which, of course, I'm sure many many people have pointed out. At the end of the movie, we literally get Thomas Howard falling down a spiral. mm Hmm. <laughs> but um. The the this this iron staircase and the beautiful brickwork because it's not that it's not like big blocky sloppy brick it's like that white maritime brick beautiful brickwork kind of old and battered it's got this sense of of like laboratory. Or mm-hmm. it feels like a holy place almost But a, a bad one I
1: feel that way about lighthouses in general anyways I find them all to be very I love that we are surrounded by so many in our
0: area Sure, yeah
1: There's something very I mean, just the the idea of what a lighthouse is Yeah What it, what its purpose is, is Is quite fascinating When you think about it
0: Right I, Watching these two dudes fall into like despair and destruction In a place that is designed to provides salvation to sailors you know yeah it's (laughs) (sighs) this movie is so fucking good um yeah what did you think of what did you think of the right down the barrel there's a couple of times in this movie where characters act right at us yeah and it reminded me you know uh you know that picture american gothic Or uh, or like photographs of work sites, like photographs from the distant past, like 1918, and And when you get that, those like groups of dour, hard-faced men looking right at you in like a really high contrast black and white, the times when they were looking right at us, right into the camera, it felt like those pictures, especially with the aspect ratio, which is a square, it felt like those pictures coming to life in a way, and because I was associating it with like the historical photographs, it made... It feel real to me in a way. You yeah. know what I mean? It really well, took me there.
1: Wake looks a lot like some old photographs of like uh, the the men on my mom's side of the family. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Well, they were a bunch of well, on my dad's side. He got a bunch of Latvians and like like fishermen and stuff. So very big beards and the. I mean, yeah, right, right, right. And then yeah. on the other side, wild you men. have like Scotch Irish and
0: you know, <laughs> more wild men. Yeah, yeah, more
1: wild men. So it's like fuck, but yeah, like Wake was it, like there were a couple of times when he was like right down the barrel. I'm like fuck that. Speaking of photog, photog- photogs or <laughs> photographs, as normal people call them. Uh, yeah, it was like looking at an old photograph of like some of the men in my family, great great grandfathers and great great uncles and shit like that. These seafaring hearty. They, yeah,
0: they and they look really rugged. We we've talked a couple times on the show. You know, it's it's in vogue to like when beautiful people kind of ugly up for a role, like when Charlize Theron plays um, in in Monster. Monster. Or when I watch this movie, I'm like, first of all, Willem Dafoe, love love this actor. He's He's already kinda of there though, you know. We're not mm-hmm. it's not Brad Pitt ugly and down. But he's um an interesting looking guy. He's a he has one of the most distinct human faces ever. I think he's actually very handsome when he's not when he doesn't have a twenty four inch snarled beard with you know, octopus tentacles flying out of it and shit. Yeah, but Rob and Robert Pattinson—you think of Robert Pattinson as a pretty boy because of Twilight, and mm-hmm. we've ar- we've already talked about you know after Twilight, he like Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson. Those people have gone on to do really interesting work, but you always—I've always kind of clung to that Twilight image for some reason with Robert Pattinson. Me this- too. Did this totally shatter it for you?
1: Yes, it did. So much. Like I for some this is an interesting like side conversation to have at this point, anyway, I think perhaps is Robert Pattinson in general. Yeah, let's do it. Because there is this there is a stigma for me and for many people regarding Robert Pattinson. Like he's he's a substandard actor. You hear that he's gonna be the new Batman, you're like, fuck, this is worse than Ben Affleck. Right. But why? Why, why is that? Then you think about, well, because of like Twilight and that wasn't that great. We actually, Danielle and I are watching the Twilight series right now. How's it going? The first, it's going okay. The first one is actually pretty decent. I'm like, oh, there's some like shit going on here. This is pretty, pretty fucking cool. Actually, okay. I'm digging it. As soon as you get in the second one, man, that shark jumps like. <laughs> that, shump, that shark jumps another shark. It's like so fucking
0: horrible. Let's have a but shark you battle. Can, uh-huh.
1: But then, you, then you can tell that Robert Pattinson Is totally fucking bored There are some scenes where it's like him and Bella that are, They're supposed to have this like Super intense conversation about their love For each other and you can all but see Robert Pattinson just like rolling his fucking eyes Like <laughs> This is really bad. I'm so fucking bored right now. Mm. But it's so I think that he just gets his bad he's never had a fair shake at like he's been in some things. And if you're smart enough to see him right and appreciate the performance, I think that it's there. It's just because of Twilight and because those movies are such garbage. He got <laughs> minus he the first the tag, one. Right, the first one's actually pretty fucking good. I give that we don't rate movies. I give it like an 8.5. I actually really quite enjoyed it. it I'll give it a watch, as man. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Don't watch the other ones. Fuck <laughs> garbage.
0: <laughs> one and done. All right. Well, one and yeah, done yeah. on
1: that one. But it's like, I feel there's so much meat on the, And now I'm super, like, I'm all in on Robert Pattinson. Now. After I'm this like one. Out, yeah. I'm seeking Hell out. Hell yeah. What has he done? And why have I given him this? And I just find this so interesting if, uh, that we do that to actors all the time. Or right. will we'll completely disregard their body of work or what they've been doing because of the Twilight series and or because of
0: Harry Potter. It's usually a whatever. popular film franchise, too. Like, yes, if you it's appear, it's
1: usually a summer blockbuster, bullshit, Transformers
0: and Shia it, LaBeouf. Like, and you know what? Not to put us actually, no, let's comfortably put us into Stephen King territory. It's been a while since we talked about Stephen King. Stephen King mentions in his book on writing That there's always been this weird bias Against popular works You know like if you're going to be a great author In fiction Then you know you shouldn't sell too many books Because if you sell too many books You're appealing to the masses And what are we implying That the masses are like morons And can't So in a weird way, I kind of think that's what's happening over in film here too, where it's like, oh yeah, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart were in, oh, it's a big summer blockbuster based on a goofy vampire movie that, or book that everyone loves. There's something about it being popular that makes us think like, well, then they can't be serious because they're just, Mm -hmm. they're appealing to so many people. But Kristen Stewart's done really interesting shit post this as well, you know, and watching Robert Pattinson in this, watching... That guy who I'd always thought of as like silly or fatuous, mediocre
1: at best.
0: I I used to feel this way kind of about Russell Brand because he was so, he's so goofy as an actor. But then when you hear him as a podcaster, you're like, oh, you uh, kind of
1: blows your mind a little bit. Yeah. You're like,
0: there's more going on to you. And that this, the lighthouse for me was that moment with Robert Pattinson where you're like, he look. there's moments in here where just what he's doing with his face, just the weariness that he can conjure to his like, his heavy-lidded eyes and the fatigue in his slack jaw—he ages himself a decade with just his performance.
1: See the way that he manipulates a, a cigarette in his in his fingers and in his mouth. Yeah, absolutely. That tell a huge part of the story. He's he's constantly smoking, and I think that's a character choice between him and the director. That's
0: just part of his. He has an oral fixation. Yeah. An
1: oral fixation. Yeah. When he's doing chores, it does. he could be running up a hill. That motherfucker has got one screwed in at the corner of his mouth. And it's not a sexy cigarette. It's a dirty ha- – it's a shitty rolled cigarette. It's not even a tight roll. They're always like Dude. kind of shitty and loose and falling apart. Like he just barely – he couldn't be fucking bothered to roll a proper cigarette. And, he and just needed perfect. to get one in him. They're perf- huh?
0: And they're perfect, man. And they're perfect. That's yes. like exactly <laughs> – they're the fucking be- they are they are his cigarettes forever yep. you know like that shitty <laughs> like half of it's dust off the table you know Dude, yep. he's roll. Those are Chester Duodenums. He's rolling Chester Duodenums in this, this fucking the movie. the
1: origin of the Chester Dwanums. Yes, he's got a little bit of cat hair and rat shit all rolled in with some bugle boy or whatever. <laughs> oh <my laughs> or bugler, uh, bugle boy. Those Rotten jeans. salt
0: cod and fucking he's smoking s-
1: jeans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boot leather and seagull feather <laughs> and <laughs> turpentine. <laughs> yeah, Damn, these these boys are gonna die. And the day the day after he gets his liver eaten out, the ferry rolls up, shows up, and they're like, "Holy shit, what the fuck happened here?" Hey, it's the log. What is it? It's just a recipe for the cigarette. They call it a Chester Dwdnam, and they took that back with them to England. <laughs> and the first Chester Dwdnam factory opened that year, nineteen twenty-five. <laughs> Soon to be closed later that
1: year In 1925
0: (laughs) In a heinous turpentine fire At the factory After which it was removed from the original Recipe Dude, I like our origin story for Chester Duadnums. This is yeah. a fitting place. A cursed blasted rock <laughs> in the <Right>. sea <laughs> with a double hump side.
1: That's why it's always your last cigarette. <laughs> it's a Chester Duadnum.
0: The official cigarette. That's
1: of- the tagline. Yeah. Always your last cigarette. Your la-
0: make your last cigarette a Chester Duadnum. Official cigarette of firing squads worldwide.
1: <laughs> Everyone you have one last request? Make it a Chester Dwad.
0: <laughs> and the TV, spots, <laughs> the TV spot, the music is Billy Holiday singing Gloomy Monday.
1: <laughs> oh, fucking shit.
0: <laughs> and it's just a guy <laughs> in an empty room on a wooden chair smoking a Chester <laughs> with a with, with a lamp. <laughs> There's a lamp on the floor next to him. And three quarters empty bottle of red wine <laughs> And he climbs up on the chair And then you see him fucking around And a lamp cord comes down And he tries to take one more hit off the Chester Or duodenum, But it's out Because it's shitty He's <laughs> so
1: just he, fucking It cherries all over his yeah, face It, yeah, it busts and up it, And he's reacting to that is what He falls off the chair And bangs <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's all coughing! He's <laughs> and he falls into
1: the fucking laptop. Oh, do you know how shitty it would be to hang yourself and you're already out of breath? <laughs> you know, and you got like shit. You try like, to catch your breath, and you, you fall out you, and
0: you got something hot, like hot shit in your lungs.
1: Oh, and- you got a hot ember
2: in your throat and then you fucking <laughs> hang yourself? at horrible.
1: i don't fucking know man we're talking about robert pattinson in a stupid cigarette (laughs) oh he's actually a good actor and now i'm super fucking yes for him to be batman
0: more so i'm more excited for him to be bruce
1: wayne dude
0: like seriously i think he i think he's got bruce wayne in him especially the um early in the show he's got in the lighthouse, he has like he has this really distinct profile. He's got the perfect nose. He has a great bat chin. You know, I yep. know the mustache kind of fucks it up a little bit in this one, but you can tell like he he has a really excellent profile. He has a really distinctive profile, and that is that's a big part of Batman.
1: And I like that we're getting a lean Batman. Like he's more of the we're not getting the big fucking broad-shouldered. Bruiser Batman. We're getting more like the Batman Beyond, like, yeah. like the next generation Batman. I haven't like, heard anything
0: more... about the new Batman movie. Is that what they're going for? Like a younger Batman kind of vibe? I,
1: I think so. Well, just given the some of the art design and like the design of the Batmobile, for instance, looks mm. like a like an old muscle car that's barely even like modded. It doesn't <laughs> look like a Batmobile. It looks like a like a millionaire's fucking. Muscle car that he tuned up and sort of made it look a little more.
0: I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Does it look cool?
1: It's cool as shit. All
0: right. Okay. If you think it looks cool, then I'm fucking happy. Um, yeah. Let's see. You know what else looks really cool in a horrible way? This entire movie, but <laughs> um, particularly I'm thinking about their early on. They have a disagreement about shift change because as Willem Dafoe's character says, as Thomas Wake says, the light is mine. Right. And he's really The Old
1: Salt gets the light, right?
0: Right. Well, yeah. There there's like the day shift type thing where all you really have to Mm. do is kind of feed it, but there is a shift where you have to be awake and watching the light, and that's the you know, the the midnight to dawn shift. Yeah. And that's when you have to be up there and keeping an eye on shit, and only Willem Defoe is allowed to do that. And he Willem Defoe is actually the lightkeeper. Like he's the guy who runs this lighthouse. Robert Pattinson's character is his new second. Who's replacing, right. like, uh, the lighthouse keeper's assistant Who went He mad? died on
1: the last He went mad and died on the last one mysteriously He never made it back to the boat
0: Right, yeah and when, this... Yeah,
1: because when they picked up Wake on the last one It was just him And when they asked what happened He said he lost his mind He jumped into the sea or whatever the fuck that ended right, up being Right, yeah, he's like,
0: he died, <clears> he went <throat> crazy And he leapt into yep. the sea But then we find out later And One of the things that I really love about Because we find out later that he maybe didn't because his head comes up in a lobster pot. So Man. yeah, decapitation kind of seems like maybe Thomas Wake killed this guy. But one or was of...
1: he actually seeing Thomas Wake's or uh, uh, Winslow's head in a? It
0: wasn't Winslow? No,
1: the we... other guy. Yeah,
0: the, 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 we never learned that guy's name. It's just the because old... he
1: also sees a fucking mermaid in her huge shark vagina.
0: Yeah, the, So well, that's I mean, not
1: necessarily real.
0: Not only does he see the mermaid, he literally sees a man that he watched die years before. Yes. You know? He sees um he sees Thomas Wake turn into an octopus monster that he's like fuck fighting at one point. Fuck fighting. You know, yeah. Like-
1: yeah. <laughs> So I'm just saying that we see Robert Pattinson's character see a head in a
0: crab pot, but that might not necessarily be true. Right. And the moment, the moment you really start to wonder how much of what you've seen and what you're seeing is actually happening is, wh- I think, one of the more effective moments of mental wheel spin that I've ever seen put into a film. It's phenomenal, man. It's when he's feeding the furnace and he's thinking about having a drink. And uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Wake comes out, and he goes, the damp's got to the provisions. And they go back inside to the lighthouse, and uh, Winslow doesn't seem to care. He's like, yeah, it's only—he goes, the salt cod's gone to rot. And he goes, it's like, thank heavens for that or something like that. You know, right. It's fucking disgusting. Except six-month-old salt cod or however long they've Ooh. been there. I it's, love
2: that kind of shit, but
1: whatever.
0: I'm weird. For, like, one meal, but if you were eating it every day for, like— well, one, your heart would explode. And two, that's just fucking gross. Yeah, especially when you're washing it down with fucking
1: <laughs> with rum turpentine. And turpentine. Yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, and he's like, he's like, it's only been one day. And he goes, weeks, Winslow. It's been weeks. And he's like, what? What are you talking about, man? No, we just missed the boat yesterday. You know, this the, there was a storm. Because we haven't, for the listeners who are completely lost because they haven't seen the movie, shame on you. Right. Watch this film. You can't always rely on Carl and us to have our shit together So the reason the storm has come Is because it's bad luck to kill a seabird Because seabirds contain the souls of dead sailors That's what we're told So that's a very basic synopsis of the middle portion of this movie So that's why the storm arrives And we see him shoveling coal And the provisions are going bad And he comes and he's like, uh, listen, wake You need to calm down It's been one day, we got plenty of food Okay, we missed the boat yesterday. They might just be still out there. If the mm-hmm. weather breaks tomorrow, I'll just take the boat out and go and say like hey, we're we're good, come on in. Yep. and fucking Wake looks at him and he goes, he goes, he's like that he's like, we missed the ferry weeks ago, and that this the scene of them missing the ferry was like the previous night. That's like yeah. the last thing we saw was them missing the ferry, and the next thing we see is weeks have gone by. And fucking Winslow slash... Howard slash Winslow. <laughs> Winslow. And Winslow has no fucking idea that any time has passed at all. And he's like, this isn't funny. And I love Wake's line. He goes, no, it isn't. I don't want to be trapped on this rock with, a, with an insane person, basically. It's... Dude, that moment comes... It's so perfectly placed. Because there's nothing in Damp's Gotten to the Provisions that, that suggests... That any time has passed That's probably This yeah. could be the next night Oh shit It's the next night After the storm And Insubordinate again Because he's had This conversation With With Winslow So many times
1: yeah, But he doesn't remember Having any of Right
0: it. Yeah So he doesn't You know yeah. Insubordinate again <laughs> He doesn't go He doesn't go right to Oh you know You just aren't aware That time has not passed Because he How many He's probably done this Six times Eight times You know We've been here for weeks And you're you're just rabble. You're just babbling at me. You're acting like a crazy person, and I need you to shape up. And then you're like, "Oh my That's god, interesting." Like, Why
1: Willem Dafoe, if he's like he's constantly not crazy, but we're watching Thomas Howard go crazy, and it's making fucking Wake crazy because he's fucking this dude's losing his mind, right? Because <laughs> he's an old salt. He's been the wiki on this goddamn lighthouse for how many rotations right
0: but but do you think that there's any part i think there's some fraudulent element to wake as well though where he like
1: that he sees so this is my take okay is i think that wake sees a chink in the armor Mm. it's like oh this boy can't handle it he's gonna lose it and just puts the screws to him he's like well if he's going to break then i'm going to break him like i think that there's some of that like
0: like just uh, sort of
1: he sees the potential for madness and pushes him like intentionally i mean yeah i, I mean so.
0: honestly i see <clears throat> i think it's interesting that you or you describe wake as not going mad i think that wake goes mad in like a different way that makes it hard to track his madness cuz it's not two men just becoming gibbering lunatics
2: you know no it's not
0: it's uh it's like one man is bec- I mean, wait Thomas Thomas Wake is becoming like sort of like weird like his weird gaslighting thing that he's doing and his weird like I might be a figment of your imagination. Willingly and intentionally fucking with um with Winslow's perception of the passage of time and by proxy, us as the the viewers. That what he does there and all of those things that he does, including you know, it's been weeks, and, oh, you're seeing mermaids, and what the fuck are you talking All of that shit is, like, the feeling that should have been more in The Shining. You know what I mean?
2: Ooh,
1: yeah.
0: Like, The Shining kind of, it's really beautifully
1: in the- in Shitty, the, in
2: shitty,
0: the, in the, in shitty, the- What? You don't like The Shining?
1: Uh, sorry, I, I watched it again recently because I'm writing my uh, long walk for the book.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um- not a fan. In Shitty. The, Shitty. The, Shitty. The, okay, well, it's a separate discussion, but it I is, feel like it the, is. Shi- mm-hmm. the Shining, the movie, the Stanley Kubrick, should be called something else. In Shitty. Shining version three point It's not the Shining. It's something else. In Shitty.
0: The, because you read the book like immediately beforehand.
1: Okay. okay and it's not, it's not even like you know so well the book is better than the movie it's com- it's a completely different In the, shit. a lot of Everything. liberties oh my god from the characters to like what the what the whole thing it, yeah fuck, <laughs>
2: fuck the
0: movie I guess Sorry. what I was it does kind of rob uh, the Jack Torrance character of any redemption I agree but <laughs> oh, we
1: don't have, to get, no we don't have to get into it we don't have to get into it it's Jack Nicholson. There's no Jack Torrance in that movie. I didn't Anyways. I did not mean to, to take
0: us down. No, that I r-
1: watched I watched it a couple of, I it made me angry how fucking bad
0: the adaptation is. Bird and I just watched it pretty recently. I we did it for I the know, show. It's an episode. Yeah, of- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we liked it a lot. Um but what I mean is that The Shining is the famous movie that everyone holds up in, as an example of like this is what cabin fever feels like This is what you feel, it feels so crazy That's why Bird and I picked The Shining when we were doing the quarantine tapes Is It's a movie about people who are trapped inside who go mad, you know As the outside world rages to destroy them And it felt really, uh, it felt app- appropriate in the, the early stages of the coronavirus yeah. Now... Not to get too real on the show, but – and this will also date the show quite a bit. I think what's today, the 15th? Uh, Um, Yeah, 15th. Yeah, sorry. There's one of the – we
1: ship Wine Club tomorrow.
0: So, yes, today is the 15th. Yeah, that's how everyone measures time around. Anyone in that industry measures time now. But, like, you know, now this far into it, heading into a long, dark winter where there's rumors flying around about maybe there's going to be another lockdown, the Mm -hmm. numbers – we beat, the, we beat the all-time record for single cases three days in a row Or like uh, mm-hmm. new cases in a day three days in a row We cracked 100,000 and everyone was like, that's insane Then it was 133, then it was 155 The last one I saw, which I'm sure has been beaten But the last one I saw was 177,000 in one day So that's yeah. four days in a row of beating the daily case record So it looks bleak and it looks like we're all going to be trapped inside And we're all going to have to face like we've been facing thus far. And this movie is provoking this conversation. I'm not sure oh, we're get in. but um you know, we have already felt long claustrophobia. That's part of what is driving these numbers up. Yeah. You know, people the difference
1: are now we don't have the sunshine and we don't have the warmth to right. help to help us through. And it's that... going to be dark. It's going to be cold. Right. And it's going to be lonely
0: all the time. And lonely. And that that drives, that particular cocktail of isolation drives a really specific type of Jittery anxious madness Called cabin fever I would Learned in school because I'm From the far UP where we got A lot of snow when I was a Kid we learned about cabin Fever in school as a thing That you have to like watch Out for and I don't know if That was just like regional Teaching I'm sure that's not Taught in California and Stuff well the
1: sun sets in Northern parts of the UP at Like three o'clock in the Winter right Right. yeah yeah. like four Four thirty dark will in the Longest part of the winter Here right in northern Michigan but Man, yeah, where you were from up there, dude. Like three PM? Yeah. Well, you're walking home in the dark right. from school, right? right. You yeah. could
0: go you could go. We used to go and look at Christmas lights in Calumet during school hours. So like we would, we would get on the school bus. I guess it would, maybe it would be like right after we got off school But there would be like a right after school field trip Where we drive for like 10 minutes to Calumet Which is right up the hill from where I went to school And it was dark enough to like look at the Christmas decorations yeah. You know And then that winter is also like an extra month long up there But that's how this winter's going to feel Because of the added pressure cooker Yeah, It's impossible not to watch this movie And think We are the people in Behind the brick wall and coronavirus is pounding the outside walls. You know, it's it feels weird that way for
1: me. That this movie felt like a prelude to, to winter, to our winter. Yeah,
0: it like like a glimpse, like a glimpse mm-hmm. of what things could be, which is a Absolutely. bleak, a, definitely a bleak look. But this is a very bleak film, so i I think it's okay to think about it in this space. But you're totally right. Mm-hmm. This movie was. I think this movie would have made a strong impression on me in any time.
1: Absolutely. Of course. Like,
0: obviously. This is on its own merits. This movie is a total masterpiece. The sound design, the interaction of the sound and the score. There are only really three, there are four actors, but there are kind of three actors that are like really working. And there are two that are really working. And everyone is 10 out of 10. This movie is impeccably shot. It's meticulously plotted where there's symbols and hints and there's Easter eggs and the aspect ratio does double duty because so much of the film is dark that only this is something I loved about this movie only during the day does the aspect ratio hem you in so when there's light when there's something to alleviate the long dark when you can see the world you're hemmed and trapped, but as soon as night set night falls and the this movie is dark man like there's mo- a lot of this film is more than 45 percent of your screen is almost totally black
1: it's black and it's it reminds me a little bit of racer head in that way as totally. far as how black the blacks are dude god it's how dark it is
0: some parts of this were almost like watching it, it was like watching someone do like plato's cave wall and it's looked like a shadow show man like it, it there there's acting done in silhouette you know it's fucking gorgeous but in those night scenes once night falls because so much of your screen is already black, the aspect ratio becomes irrelevant, and it just becomes more of the night. It just becomes more unknown, more blackness, and your screen seems to expand at certain parts of this movie. I it's wonder, oh gorgeous. I do
1: know something about the lighting in this. In this, this movie? speaking of the: Yeah, so to get the blacks as black as it needed to be, or something to do with the film stock or that whenever the that it is lit the lights are actually so so bright that they had to use to to keep everything i don't I don't know the technical details but it boils down to that the lights that they had to use were so fucking bright that they couldn't actually see each other most of the time or anything <laughs> it was just completely blinded by it's like 1000 watt halogens and mm-hmm. shit to be able to to keep the this particular Um, Look going Which is wild to think about That even Even when they were surrounded It was so bright that they couldn't see The actors Yeah, I
0: I think we talked about it on the Eraserhead episode But the lighting alone Just the lights For some of those sets Um, There was one night where a setup for Eraserhead The just the lighting took 18 hours set up Same. and it yeah. was for Same it was, was like here. 47 different lights And it was just for one shot Of Henry sitting on a bed Like that was the meticulous level That David Lynch brought to that amazing film In this movie You can completely It feels like that It feels yeah. like a racer head in a lot of ways I honestly wouldn't be surprised if a racer head is a I mean, dude, there's a there's a clear David Lynch homage in here. He honestly, Eraserhead might have inspired the cinematography of this for real. There,
1: there's the, like the more that I think about it, they 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 feel very similar in tone, in their pacing, in how they're shot. Like, there's a lot
0: and that particular of overlap. I feel like we're discovering something right now because that particular flavor of surrealism that this movie has is very Lynchian. There are scary moments in here that feel like the terrifying man behind the dumpster. In yes. you know fucking well, drive. drive yeah but um I but like the, the there is a lynch nod in this it's the first time that he sees the dead body on the rocks and he goes over and we get that overhead shot of the the girl's face and she's got that black mass of seaweed behind her and some seaweed across her face and there's that moment yes. where he he reaches down with his left hand this is uh Winslow Robert Pattinson's character's founder and he reaches down with his left hand hand acting all the fucking way around in this movie. And he pulls the he like pulls the seaweed off of her face. That's exactly how Laura Palmer is discovered at the beginning of Twin Peaks.
1: That's what that I couldn't fucking <laughs> think of. I'm like I'm like, that is something. Why do I know this?
0: Yeah, like it's
1: holy fuck how she her hair is pulled off from how the
0: Oh mm. yeah, Sorry. and it, it like they... and it kind of peels open and oh op- yeah, yep. yeah, but it's it's that same like overhead shot that 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 iconic. It's the cover of the box set is that iconic yep. shot down where Laura Palmer's wrapped up in the plastic wrap, and this movie with its stark black and whites. There's only one other movie that looks even anything like this, and it's Eraserhead. That's it. There's...
1: Scoring. There's weird, loud noises that are part of the score.
0: Holy shit. And it's, like, machine sounds and industrial machine stuff. And insane. in Eraserhead, it's industrial stuff and plumbing. Like, pipes and steam engines. Holy shit, Carl. Yeah, I think, I right think more than a passing debt is owed to Eraserhead in this film. In the best possible so. way. Like Absolutely. Fucking, yeah, not a critique in the slightest. Like, it delivers the... It delivers the... You know what the the mood. It delivers the mood of a racerhead or like that Lynchian surrealism but it injects it with this cool Dude, like
1: you know Dude, you want to go to a cabin for a weekend, do a bunch of mushrooms and watch a double feature with me?
0: <laughs> what, this in midsummer? No. What? What do you this want? To and, this this in racerhead. Oh my god. Can we Yeah. yeah oh my god. Definitely, man. <laughs> I mean, that'll probably be the end of the show and like you and I'll I mean, be we, institutionalized. Yeah. So <laughs> But if they that's a good hey man, if that's how you want to go out, I will Thelma and Louise my my mind away on mushrooms, <laughs> yeah baby. <laughs> um, okay, I I want to talk about some specific cinematography really quick.
1: I'm sorry if my burps are picking up. I'm just like
2: only rowdy.
0: only the first one, but now that you've drawn attention to it, listeners, go back and turn up yeah, the go gain. Back and
2: listen.
0: <laughs> um, so the first time that we get up to the lighthouse light, there's this. And it was I was talking about it's that slow crane shot sort of It's almost like a tracking shot up the lighthouse And we're going up on a dolly up the wall And we're passing the spiral staircase And there's those big hanging counterweights And there's the clockwork Mm -hmm. machinery upstairs And then we get to We kind of go through the floor a little bit You know where the screen goes like dark And then there's boom And then it's the clockwork It's the machine room under the light And then we go up into the light, so we've we've panned up the entire length of the lighthouse, and the last frame is Willem Dafoe's head from behind, and his hat forms like the top of the lighthouse. He becomes, I mean, ob- the phallic image is pretty obvious, but we'll just talk right. about it in like a more literal way. He becomes like the head on top of the body of the lighthouse just seeing his head at the top and not his body completely equates him with the structure. It makes mm-hmm. him like this mythic half he's like tied to the place in a religious fashion. And then when we see him like stripping off his clothes, it's as it is in the vein of a Lovecraftian acolyte before his god. Like that is completely in the performance. I know I'm I'm sure some of it is because, you know, I I have that stuff in my head but like oh that
1: I, I was wondering that too like how much of that am i bringing where where an octopus or a tentacle is something of the sea and
2: right. if you're
1: not familiar with lovecraft you would equate that to well that makes sense there is sailor he's an old salt An octopus is something that you would there's a mermaid there's a lot of seafaring like imagery going I, see, on I, but because lovecraft is in our brain right we're pulling that in as oh my god it's a cthulhu
0: thing or a lovecraftian weird <laughs> See, I don't think of it in Cthulhu... So, I've actually never read the Cthulhu stories. I'm actually more familiar with his shorter works and At the Mountains of mm-hmm. Madness and things. I'm aware of, of the Cthulhu stories, but I've never actually read the ones in which he's a character or appears. So, when I'm pulling from... Or the
1: culty, weird shit...
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I've got some of that With, you know, like uh, uh, The Dunwich Horror and things like that Which I think it actually is Cthulhu at the end of that But he never shows up In the Mountains of Madness is Cthulhu at the end of that, too <laughs> So, okay So I've read two Cthulhu stories, I'm wrong
1: So tell me but, again why you don't like the Coen brothers
0: So, yeah, I guess that's what we're having here But what I no. pull, when I think of Lovecraft What I end up pulling from from His stories is the, is the vibe The, like The sort of, like, blue-collar there's a really, like, blue-collar, scruffy, and tattered feel to a Lovecraft story and character. You know, everyone's, like, kind of down on their luck or, or you know, ancient or rough and rugged. There's that. There's the this sort of, like, bleak, desolate feeling that you get from Lovecraft stories. But the biggest thing for me is... The, the idea of Lovecraftian cosmic horror Which has to do with mm-hmm. forces so much greater than yourself So far beyond you in scope and power That you could not possibly resist them or fight them Or do anything to change whatever their will for you is And they come on slow in their own pace There's no urgency to them That's the like root of cosmic horror Something so large that you have literally no hope of fighting it is coming, and you can't stop it, and you're fucked. And that is a, that is why I love cosmic horror is it's kind of Kafka-esque. It's very bleak. And this movie, the storm in this movie is is cosmically horrifying. It's, you can watch this structure degrade, and you watch the men degrade in it, and outside, the ocean and the rain continue to pound and it is inescapable. And in a weird way, if that description <laughs> felt familiar, you know, something large and and natural that's so beyond our scope to deal with it right now that it becomes it begins to feel almost hopeless. There's a reason this movie kind of resonates right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah,
1: it just kind of reminds me of like two two men in in a structure. They, they are destroying themselves at the same time destroying the structure, and the structure is part of the reason they're destroying themselves. That's such a – fuck, man. It almost makes me think of, like, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when – um In the self-discovery Benicio, sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that – in like, Benicio Del Toro, like, going so crazy. He destroys hotel rooms because he's so, like, well, fucked up all the time. Like, but, off the
0: rails, yeah. Like mm-hmm. these guys are. You know, we've run yeah. out of drink. And they start stirring honey into turpentine and then eventually they stop even bothering with the honey yep. you know um, drinking lighthouse feel there's the the drinking's really interesting because it's two men self-destructing in different directions in a way and i you know i saw a couple people point out it's it's really a story about two men who don't know themselves struggling to discover themselves through each other which I think is actually a pretty good description You know I tend not to like grabbing uh, Like other people's analyses But I think that's yeah. if you wanted to just give someone The bare bones Psychology of this I think that's probably Pretty apt of course there's lots of evidence That possibly Wake Is Howard you know right. That they are the same person like for example or the Winslow character Is Howard I'm not going to use that other name because I keep Forgetting so Winslow when Winslow Falls from the, his rope harness You can clearly hear his leg breaking and one of the the big characteristics of the weight character is that he has one leg, you know, like you can't carry my stump around, so that equates them. We equate them in that way, um two men constantly going through a spiral like there there's lots of symbolism in there. I think that's a cool way to look at it too, but but God, like. That but that's that's the beauty of it is there's yeah. there's so many analyses there's so many reads so many well ones.
1: that's that's why I come back to like I don't think that there is a correct or incorrect read on this other than Eggers himself maybe he isn't even one hundred percent sure what this is about
0: I feel like he is it's I feel a, like that guy's so far ahead of the rest of probably. us <laughs> well,
1: that's why it's like I feel like this movie will change depending on when I'm watching it how I'm watching it totally like it feels more like visual poetry to me it really does where there is story there and there you know, there are characters and there is a certain arc but i i feel like this is more like truly art in motion like there's no there's no making sense of it and
0: you shouldn't attempt to i can i completely agree i i feel like i feel like there could be something gained from trying to make sense of it but try to make sense of it in the way that you make sense of tarot cards
1: let it let it come let the let the discovery happen as it will don't try to make something happen
0: completely and also the discoveries that you make you have to allow them to be personal rather than trying to put objective yes. truth because i i'll be honest when I, every time we do the show i do it you know I, you try to solve the riddle what is what does Well, it's this... part of why we love movies because yeah, Right, part, of, it. it's <laughs> for part sure. of the experience. But yeah. this, is, this is one of those. There, we've had movies in the past that we've talked about it in this way where we say, I think the term that I like to use for them is it's like a tone poem. Yep. You know, it's not... The movie's not even so much about the content. It's not so much about the plot. It's really about the mood. It's really mm-hmm. about the mood and the tone that it sets. You know, like this movie makes you feel a certain way and I think... I think that trying to analyze it is the same thing as pinning a poem down and trying to f- figure out what it means, rather than allowing f- trying to figure out what it feels or how. See, Ozymandias how it makes you
1: feel. is actually about uh, right. Uh, it's about things don't last forever, and you can have fortune and glory, or it could be about uh, just someone finding an old statue in the desert. and –
2: <laughs> right. Well,
1: no, yes is about you know you can have everything and be the most powerful king, but then at the end of time, you are nothing but an undescribable clump of dust in the middle of the desert. Who's no one's no one's name? uh They, they don't remember who you
0: are. Yeah, that's and I mean, a, and there's nothing left on the rock at the end of this movie mm-hmm. that we can see. So right, exactly that's where we so literally see, end I, up. I tied it in. You did. I mean, yeah. There you go, man. Um. <laughs> I love I love the image the whirlpool image that we get in the lighthouse because it I mean a spiral staircase shot from above looks like a whirlpool but they really or shot from below they really use that to great effect especially in a seafaring tale like this because what what is like the one of the great fears of the sea adventure stories from the twenties is the giant whirlpool mm-hmm. except this one is usually shot from the bottom up. So you're being sucked ever towards your doom, and the doom is the light at the top of the lighthouse because it mesmerizes you, and it's strongly equated with drunkenness and stupor as well. I really love this this that image at the beginning. I was kind of talking about it when he starts to un- take his clothes off. When we cut to the reverse, and it's just that shot of like a devastated, like borderline comatose Willem Dafoe staring into the spinning light drinking toast after toast to the to this to to the light he's just sitting like a bug he's essentially reduced mm-hmm. to an ince- mm. to the level of an insect fascinated and captivated by this light and there's a great quote by Robert Eggers i got to give him this someone asked him why don't we you showed us so much st- disturbing stuff in this movie why didn't you show us what um what winslow sees in the light at the end of the movie and Eggers says because then you would have shared his fate. Oh, is that that's not a great
1: fucking answer, man?
0: Especially because it kind of makes it seem like fucking Robert Eggers treats this movie like reality, like mm-hmm. it has consequences. And I know you haven't seen it yet, but when you do, you'll get what I'm saying. There's something about the witch that feels like like we talked about it in Hereditary, where it f- Hereditary the movie felt like a magical working. There's Mm -hmm. something about the witch that makes you feel like you are somehow party to witchcraft Which I fucking love about it, especially because Bird and I But this movie kind of does that to you with the light, you know That spinning light and you're watching it And you feel feel party to something powerful and dangerous In reality,
1: you know well shit, in, in its own way, much like we were wooed into wanting to be a part of a particular cult in midsummer. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the very
1: a- the very like a lighthouse is such a hypnotic thing. It's the, the the light that's constantly spinning at the same speed, the horn that that blows at the same interval. I mean, that's Right. it's, putting the, it's, it's, it's put, the
0: silver spoon in in exactly. in Get Out, you know. Yeah, exactly, it's and it's the there isn't like a there's a a sound element to it too. Yeah, so we let's start with basically the the fight that goes crazy. They've been devolving slowly into madness as mm-hmm. the storm has completely destroyed the the house and there's water pouring in. There's no window now. There's Wake an has axe. Been fucking with him. Right. Yep. There's an axe embedded in the table. Wake's gaslighting him into insanity because Wake has himself been driven insane by the lighthouse. Like, shit has gone fucking sideways, and they finally go at each other. They finally, like, fight. Uh, Wake has the upper hand for a moment, but Robert Pattinson's younger, stronger. He gets on top. Fuck fighting. And he sees the man that he watched die, and he starts beating that guy to death. But then. The guy turns into a mer- mermaid And the mermaid's like seducing him So he starts to like make out with the mermaid And when he comes up it's Willem Dafoe As yep. basically Ursula from The fucking Little Mermaid Like a beard and like a starfish hat Like it's fucked up looking and He's he's got like missing teeth And he's cackling blood pouring out of his mouth It's wild shit So And, and then a tentacle Hallucinates around It does it? I don't know It does? I'm not sure I mean, dude, I think the seabirds are pretty literally the souls of sailors in here.
2: Unless the the madness
0: starts really early. The
1: death is missing an eye. Right. So, and the head in the crab pot that comes up is missing an eye.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to say probably the like, that's legit. So I don't know about this octopus tentacle. Anyway, he starts beating on Ursula Wake. And then if we hear this like scared old man voice, you're killing me. You're killing me. When we cut to the wide, what we end up cutting to is young strapping, crazy, but young and strapping Robert Pattinson straddling an old man whose face is just beaten into pieces. He was trying to cower away from him. And suddenly you realize that even though you felt like Wake was the bad guy up until a second ago, this is fucked up. And then the, you're like, okay, okay, so now we're gonna have suddenly
1: our... becomes like you just beat up your grandpa.
0: Yeah, like, and the shift is really sudden. This movie plays with your emotions really effectively, partly yes. because it breaks you down the same way that cult initiations do. You're right, it it makes it difficult for you to keep track of time. It gaslights you as to what is or isn't real, actively. Actively does that it's not just like a side effect of the plot the movie intentionally fucks with your brain really profoundly so it puts you in this weird cult headspace you know where you you can look at wake and be like I don't know yeah he's totally sensible he he this this crazy young guy came out here and is beaten on this poor defenseless old lighthouse keeper. But that shit's clearly not true, but right <laughs> but you're like you're head fucked into thinking that way, so there's this great moment where the movie you you think now the movie's gonna reset because the tension has broken, you're killing me, and he rolls mm-hmm. over onto his side and and Winslow stands up and stands a little away and he stands away dude Robert Pattinson, just body acting right here, beautiful, beautiful posture work where he looks so ashamed. He looks super guilty, and he's like, "I can't believe I beat Grandpa up." You know, this is, <laughs> you know, this, this like old man. Yeah, and this guy was just trying—he's trying to have a drink with me every night, and I'm an uptight asshole, and I might have killed him. But and he's standing there, and he looks so hangdog and buddy <laughs> Yeah, my, my my dance partner, you know. But like, he he's standing there just so crestfallen, and then he he says, "Bark." Oh it's so fucked up man It's so fucked up Cause he just He like You can you The moment of resolve Comes after he says bark The word comes first And that is what's is so disturbing About this moment of performance Cause he says He's like Guilty and sick feeling And he goes Bark And then he turns And Willem Dafoe is on his side Curled into the fetal position A broken old man And fucking Bark you dog and there's Fucking a long shit, pause, man. There's like they let you just sit. It's like four or five seconds. This is that thing. And of course, this is an A twenty four film, which we have not mentioned yet because Carl and I are just manic energy exploding in all directions <laughs> today. Mostly me. <laughs> Sorry, there's jerking off in the rain here, bud. I'm word it's vomiting okay. at you, man. There's a lot of jerking off in the rain in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like. It, it, it the, the A24 thing Allowing directors to Explore and deliver their visions No one's saying like We need to take five seconds off of this Because these directors know that if you just give Willem Dafoe five more seconds He's gonna give you something so fucking Good it'll burn your pubes Off like yep. Dude he's gonna roast every ex- Expectation you had if you just give the man A little room to work you know This is why the like highly produced, star-studded cast films often flop. There's so many egos on set. There's so many producers required to pay those salaries that you can't give these top tier. You can't give Colin Firth 30 seconds to rip your fucking heart out. If you do, he will rip your fucking heart out. Yeah, man. Yes, because Willem Dafoe's on his side, and he gets that extra five seconds, and then you get.
1: God damn it. That,
0: who taught you uh,
1: it broke my fucking brain i wasn't sure exactly what the fuck i was seeing did like there's wait because we have that resolve we have that he feels bad then bark like what is he gonna what's what's
0: going on and then he's, he's barking. leading
1: him on a leash yeah it's like what the fuck
0: is yeah. yeah that well dog. he's he barks like he gets into barking like you know? bark, bark, bark you dog bark, bark, but he's and he's fucked up and he's hurt. You can hear like that he's hurt too. Like I'm not yep. doing it justice. I'm not Willem Defoe. No, <laughs> you know, with five extra seconds. But he's he's it's an old man in the fetal position barking, and Robert Pattinson steps over him like the end of the movie. Enough with fucking um J uh, Lo. The bit at the end where the the her abuser steps oh, over her oh. in that big straddle posture. So he's straddling this fetal old man and he looks down at wake and says bark and he goes rarf, rarf, and he goes good now roll over and we okay. cut outside the house and it's like you just want to fucking die
2: or vomit or
0: it's, yeah i want i kind of wanted to puke or vomit. dude it's wild there is one other film that has an ending that pulls off this level of ratcheting shit up from like 0 to 100 And it does it even faster than this movie does It's called Killer Joe It's got Matthew McConaughey in it It's based on an off-Broadway play And I cannot, I cannot spoil the ending of that movie You and I will probably do it for the show when we get to season 3 The ending of Killer Joe You think you know where shit's going The movie's kind of established what it is It's got some really shocking shit in it early on It reminds me of a David Mamet play, you know It's pretty brutalist in places But then you get to the end of the movie And the chicken wing comes out And shit just goes fucking to Saturn You have no idea what you're watching This movie, the dog scene Feels like that pitch In such a great way I highly recommend Killer Joe Just know if you do watch it Do not watch the R-rated version The R-rated version is bullshit They Mm. butcher that movie it's hard, it's a hardcore film. You definitely have to watch the real version. It's NC17 or you can buy the unrated version which is the NC17 cut. The same one, yeah. yeah, it's easier to sell something unrated than to sell something NC17. And they're literally the same thing. Yeah. And they're literally yeah, it's literally the same Man-ing
1: thing. Same conventions, man. People love that shit.
0: Yeah, that but that dude, that's that's why I go out of my way to buy the NC17 one if I can find it cuz there is yeah. something kind of dirty about that. That rating you know it makes it yes. It's like the parental advisory on a CD You know you're like yes. you want that movie It's oh this one's NC-17 Dude I'm 30 fucking Years old you know yeah. like I'm way old enough to buy the movie But still like there's a weird stigma About NC-17 yeah. At 43
1: it's the same thing I'm like oh I just bought a I just bought a rap album and it says Parental <laughs> advisory I'm the, lyrics, I gotta, And I'm like
0: better hide this so from cool. mom Yeah
1: So happy for myself. (laughs)
0: You're like, my friends are going to think I'm so cool. But yeah, man, like, we cut to the outside of the house and you're like, okay, he told him to roll over as he's straddling him. What the fuck just happened? And you know what just happened? We have no idea, but what we know now is Winslow is walking Willem Dafoe on a leash like a dog. Come on. Come on, then. A little (sighs) further.
1: Leading him to where, Max? He, uh, oh, to the hole that they pulled the provisions out of. The, and he's going to bury him alive.
0: The, the whiskey crate hole? I can't believe they made that. It's not Willem Dafoe, I don't think. I think it's a stunt double that does the, like, crawl and fall. Because the wig, God, pretty. the hair looks a little off, but I'm not positive. It's really clean. Look, The the effects work and the, the stunt work in this are amazing. They make that dude crawl on his hands and knees for, like, 100 yards. For those yeah. of you who've done a 100-yard dash, On your hands and knees, that's a fucking long way. It takes a long time. and Unless you've been doing it for a long
1: time, you're going to have some chewed up palms and knees.
0: Yeah. And we round the lighthouse. (laughs) God damn it. Big fucking hole in the ground. By the way, I I propose at some point we do a month of monologues where we watch (laughs) movies with like famous monologues in them because – God damn! This one dude. has two fantastic
1: monologues in, them, you in it. You and I are
0: in one hundred percent agreement, dude. The, Fuck! I honestly think I, I thought that the first monologue in this was one of the best monologues I'd ever seen done ever. Me
1: too, period. And then
0: you see the second one, and you are like, I am not sure it's okay that Willem Dafoe gets two of the best monologues ever recorded in any format ever in the the same same film. film. It's not fucking fair. I just, that's why the Oscars snubbed him. They're like, you're showing off.
1: It's like, you're showing off, sir. Excuse me. (laughs) And not only is he giving an incredible performance of a monologue, he's doing it while someone is legitimately chucking dirt in his face.
0: It's fucking nuts. It's the, one of the most nuts things I've ever seen. It's
1: getting under his eyelids. It's getting
0: in his mouth, up his nose. Yeah. So Pattinson He's ch- oh my god! So Pattinson gets him to the edge of the hole, and he's like, "Get down there, dog, where you belong." And he throws the rope in, and Wake willingly throws himself into the hole. And so now Winslow says, uh, "That there's a good, there's a good boy, or there's a good lad," and starts shoveling dirt on top of Willem Dafoe, and Willem Dafoe dives into one of his old like sh- sea shanty chants. Yep. we'll talk about the Poseidon curse in a bit, but <laughs> holy uh- fuck!
1: I didn't feel right after that. Neither did I, man. I was
0: like, like I was cursed. (laughs) I'm like, Bird, can you smudge the office, please? (laughs) Oh shit! But uh, God, dude, yeah, like this. Willem Dafoe starts this like telling, basically telling Winslow like what he is, and and kind of doing a sea shanty chant. He has a lot of stuff memorized, like old shanty songs and some weird hardcore ritual witchcraft thing. A Oh yeah Seafarer's curse Which scares the shit out of you When you hear it Because Willem Dafoe Doesn't blink for like Three minutes when he does that At all but, Nope
1: I think He doesn't I, I'm pretty sure it's even I, re- the- I, I went back and looked again I'm like did he not And no he doesn't
0: He blink. doesn't The whole time he doesn't blink It's like the most You almost feel like Horrible watching it You're like he's in so much pain This has gotta be horrible <laughs> This poor man <laughs> Why is this poor man Doing this to himself It would have been just as good If he blinked He's Willem Dafoe he, I'm sure he blinks no, great it No it wouldn't been, have been No it wouldn't have you're right. This is
1: holy fuck, dude. He... And it's not like it's not like he's just not blinking, right? Because you yeah. cannot blink if your eyes are like a half right. mask. His eyes are His eyes are bulging open. out of his fucking head, and he's not blinking,
0: <laughs> dude. The eyes are like blowing out of his brain. Yeah, and he's just staring, and they're wet. They're like wet and watering, not in that like I'm gonna cry, but like that I'm insane way. You know, they're all like glossy, like he has a fever. As one of the super juicy eyeballs, man. Holy <laughs> like... shit. But in so in this monologue, in this particular monologue that we're talking about, where he's getting buried alive, the dirt is hitting him in the stomach, and you know that it's dirt, like real dirt. They're not screwing around with like some foamy stuff because every time it hits his chest, it like pushes some extra air out, so it's effect. You know, like and you Mm -hmm. shall be broken on the sea as it hits his chest. You know, and then you're right, it's there's one that hits him in the face. And you're like, where
1: in the face, dude? Dead in the face, full,
0: a sh- full shovel, shovel full ball. of dirt, just bang in the face. And Willem Dafoe, it is to this man's credit, knowing because you know that this they probably did. The, okay, maybe they did it in one take, but he knew what was coming and he didn't flinch. That is per- that is performance at a very high level. Or you can okay. stop reflexive actions because he knew he knew he was going to be buried alive. He knew probably that the shot they wanted was. Dirt hitting him in the face Because that becomes the centerpiece of the shot Is all the shovelfuls of dirt Just pounding into this dude's face Um But like He doesn't flinch And he doesn't turn away After shovel after shovel After shovel, after shovel is hitting him There's a point where he has so much dirt in his mouth That in between words He's literally chewing just to he's chewing the, oh god, he's chewing get the dirt out of his mouth. To, he's chewing. I think he's chewing to get it wet to get it out of his esophagus so he can keep speaking. Yeah, like because he can't spit it out anymore. There's a point where there's no. too much dirt in his mouth to spit out, so he just chews in between words, and it's in his eyes and it's up his nose. He, this is where I, this is where that mood tone thing comes back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because what we get here. You so much is going on and you're so shocked by what you're seeing. I don't know about you. I missed the entire content of his had speech. no idea
1: what he was saying.
0: The first time through I didn't even hear the words because the total effect Was so profound Having like borderline religious verse Chanted at you But because it's not religious verse It's something about the ocean and the sea And the Mm -hmm. things that dwell there It feels older and more powerful and primordial And you're watching this grizzled Carved from wood Old face With this wild unkempt beard And madness in his eyes Delivering these lines to you As clods of earth Man's greatest fear death
2: being Mm -hmm. buried
0: being put in the dirt and it dirt is pounding into his face and it's in his beard and he's becoming something more earth than man and he's still speaking that total effect did not need any content from those words at all no it was just a pure it was a feeling it was a mythological feeling it was a tarot card on screen you know damn it, yeah. it was, God, dude, it was Jungian, you know? It was just, it was such a profound moment. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. A lot of this movie kind of leaves me speechless. No, it I'm,
1: really does, man. God. Uh. I keep wanting to, like, respin it. This is, I don't think it'd be a Danielle jam for sure, but, like, i from just. Do you the, think
0: there's no clowns? There's no. There, what are the two? The two are clowns and rape, and there's neither of those things in here, right? No.
1: Well.
2: No. Yeah. I no. mean,
0: it's pretty. She watched Midsummer. I think she would could hang. She'd
1: be all right. It's pretty. Just from,
0: a, just from a performance, and it's just
1: for the experience of this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, needs to be seen.
0: I think this is a. I think this is a. And I just want to watch it again. so... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this I is gonna be you.
1: one of those weird, like, rainy day homesick movies. I watch weird shit when I'm like home by myself, not feeling well. Right. Like my feel good movies,
2: mm.
1: or like my are like Dune. <laughs> <laughs> like it probably movies like Bird, The Lighthouse, like Bird dark. likes
0: Hostel too. As one yeah, of her it's just, like, like feel one good. One
1: of my blanket cold day want to feel good i don't don't watch et or goonies that's been some weird dark shit like
0: you're like this is gonna be on that list i don't feel good videodrome (laughs) yeah kind of i mean hey man i get it i honestly get it i i have a note here that i think kind of sums up my feelings on how how this is how i feel about this movie in general not just willem dafoe but Not even an Academy nod for Willem Dafoe for this performance. Someone fucked up. Mm -hmm. This, like, I think it got got one of those, you know, those, like, token Academy nods where it was, like, best costume design. When very clearly the movie should be, like, best picture, best director, best screenplay. You know, like, across the board, it's a goddamn masterpiece. You know what I mean? Yeah, almost everything. But it's
1: not mainstream enough to hit the fucking Academy. It's a little,
0: it's a little weird, and it's a little further than a lot of people are willing to go. I totally get it. Like there's shit in here that's very disturbing. Like this is not a popcorn summer movie. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean for me
1: it might be, but But not for most.
0: Yeah, but isn't that like the point of the Academy Awards? You know? Yeah.
1: Well, it used to be Maxwell, but it isn't anymore. Now it's just a -a check-off-a-thon
0: well, this movie's kind of a jack off a thon too. You wanna talk I know. about
1: I just wanted to get I wanted to circle that back around. Circle <laughs> jerk that <Let's>... back around. <laughs> All
0: right, um, let's talk about the first do you wanna talk about the first time when he's masturbating to the statue of the mermaid? There's that um there's that shot. We've actually just pretty much done the shot where we go up the lighthouse and into Willem mm-hmm. Defoe's head and then we cut to the reverse and he's staring with like post cum face at the lighthouse light. Right pretty much right after that we get to Robert Pattinson jacking off in silhouette to the it's that thing I was talking about earlier that shadow play thing yeah very cool use of of backlighting and he's he's masturbating to uh the mermaid I don't know about you man but it's always weird it's always weird to watch people jack off in movies because you know they're it's, faking and there's 20 people watching them and
1: yeah. And the foley's always just a little bit too moist. It's, or too, it's too, it's too, che-
0: you're doing the cheek trick or just, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, <that>. it's
1: like, <laughs> it's never sounded like that. I don't know what they're using. Ghee, <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> just a fat slap of ghee in the palm and <laughs> take a look at a little, you know, one of your, one of your <laughs> mom's China angels. Or, you know I a little
1: <laughs> i don't mind I don't mind the jerking off in movies so much it's when it's like jerking like I don't know jerking off to a to to a mermaid wood statue I'm just like mm, boy that's I would just use my imagination at that point that's a
0: little well when we a little weird when we tuck into his imagination a little bit later in the movie boy oh mm. well yeah well we're doing that we're talking about the masturbation scene so we could do that um, he wants to fuck a mermaid real bad. He wants to fuck a steak too at one point, which I thought was one of my. That is such a great That's line, right? I've that. never had words. Want fuck it? I, yeah, I've ne- I've never had words like make me hungrier, hornier while watching a movie. <laughs> you know, like you really suddenly taste a bloody rare steak in your mouth, especially because they're probably both like borderline gonna die of scurvy pretty soon. You know? Yeah, they're mildew- real bad. <laughs> Um, All right So uh, remember the shot We go up We go up the lighthouse Into Willem Dafoe's head And post come face Light lamp Here We are doing That same thing Where we're panning up Robert Pattinson's body The same way That we just went Up the lighthouse And right when we get Like up by his head I know this is not A visual podcast So I don't have to do The the jacking off motion (laughs) It's helping me To frame what I'm talking about um, I get it so in the camera when the camera gets to the top of him his head it stops track or it stops dollying up and starts zooming into his head and once the rest of the world is gone and we've zoomed into his head the screen is black which means the aspect ratio becomes meaningless which right. means the whole screen becomes black we're in his head at the moment of orgasm and we hear the splattering Of an ocean wave breaking On the rock we don't hear it break we hear The splatter of the the breaker Falling on rock and then we hear the ocean Mm -hmm. We conflate The ocean with him jacking off To a fucking mermaid statue man This movie is rowdy rowdy. This movie is incredible The symbolism the way that The way that the cinematography Supports symbolism and then The two are synergized by Using the sound design In the background the people, Carl, they used to make movies and they're making movies again.
1: I, You know, I was thinking that when I was watching this and with Midsummer, because that is one of the things that we have said since my bachelor party is they used to make movies. But dude, there are a handful out there that are still making movies, man. Yeah.
0: There are people out there making movies and right now, I, Connor, I, I talk, sometimes Connor and I have about hour, hour and a half long conversations on the phone where we just scream about movies at each other for a bit. Awesome. It's like the show, but no one's recording. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> uh, we were talking and we're, like one of the things that's really interesting right now is, and we've talked about this on the show before, the people who are making movies again, the people who are really doing the auteur type stuff are working in horror a lot. Mm -hmm. And one of the companies that started that trend, A24, has, I think in a really cool way, they're still obviously totally supporting the directors who are coming and, and bringing the horror vision to them. But another thing they're doing is they're branching out into movies like the one that comes immediately to mind is Swiss Army Man. That's an A twenty four film. That's a movie that I would kind of put, not quite, but almost to the level of the Lighthouse. Like it's a phenomenal movie, but it's just art house. It stars Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. You know, it's another two man cast. And Paul Dano. So like, it. it's cool that we've got a company like that, A twenty four. That's like, you know what? Why don't we let you make some fucking movies? Blumhouse yeah. is doing it. You know, they're almost, almost...
1: like the new Miramax.
0: Yeah. You know what a twenty four is lives in the same not quite the it's not the same feel because a lot yeah, of the, it's,
1: it's not that it's not that slick like hey we're 90s we're gonna make
0: we're right. gonna make
1: mall rats and we're gonna make swingers and we're gonna make you know
0: sex lies and Videotape, tape fiction, yeah, exactly. you know yeah like but that's the thing there's we've said this on the movie or on the show again and again when every time you see Miramax you know you are going to be watching a great movie. Even though it's distasteful to say, every time you see The Weinstein Company, a lot—dude, those Weinstein movies are—they tend to be fucking awesome. I know the dude sucks, but, like, when you see that logo, you're like, shit, yeah, this is going to kick ass. A24 is now that thing for me. When I see A24 pop up, I'm like, oh, shit, this is a twenty. fuck yeah, and every time, every time it's awesome, you know? Yeah. I I love it. I love the era we're living in, man. We, we get it a, feels pretty pretty great. It does, you know. <laughs> it does. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. Like, what's going on in movies anymore these days? I see on. I, mean, I know they're doing the theater at home thing. I guess let's step out for a second, talk about the crazy world yeah. we live in, because we talk movies. Have you done the like theater at home thing at all? Like, you pay basically the price of a movie ticket, and you can you watch it. a release. lot
1: more. Um, the, they gotta fix that shit The last few that I have um, Looked at were in like the 30 35 dollar range Holy so it'd be like shit. Yeah uh, Like Mulan I was I was kind of Curious about the live action Mulan is 35 dollars right. for that it's uh You're paying premium, like, Blu-ray price for a digital copy. There's no renting a lot of it. It is purchase or
0: nothing. You just buy it.
1: They're in that, yeah, 20 to 25 for a lot of them. I got to say, man, 95% of what I'm seeing is, I mean, I worked in in video for 10 years, right? Right. So you get a sense for the new release structure, right? Like, what are the blockbusters? And then you have... A whole bunch of like direct-to-DVD bullshit that, that fills out your new release wall, right? Right This feels right now we are living in everything is Everything is the middle shelf There are no blockbusters to go top to bottom Everything is the middle row on the new release wall you know, It's all one or two copies that you get Not None of these are 75 copy
0: There hasn't New been.
1: release wall movies These are bullshit direct-to-DVD some Look, of the yeah
0: interesting. So I was thinking about this because I love going to the movies, right? I love me s- too, dude. I fucking miss it so much. But anyway, but that but what I'm saying is like some of these movies that I see. So on Voodoo, it pops up and it's like theater at home. And this is why I think that the model that they're tr- that they're trying for isn't going to work. And this might no. actually change. I think this might change filmmaking going forward and push it more in a direction of movies like The Lighthouse or Jim Jarmusch's projects or small cast films. Oh, like Locke. Locke is another A24 film. That's a cast of one, you know, like small budget stuff with really compelling stories because it's not it's not logistically or financially feasible to shoot huge crew, huge cast films. And what I'm seeing on the news is for the next two, three years.
1: You, you know, can't like, shoot anything out, like big movies in like New York, Chicago. I mean, we, we're we going to be talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. You can't shoot that in 2020.
0: No, absolutely not. You can't – well, but you can't shoot anything in 2020 is the thing. Well, like like <laughs> Dark Knight yeah. Rises, Dark Knight, like any movie with a cast greater than six because that's the gathering size, baby. You know, like that's that's, that's the wild thing to me is I – there's stuff that I see in the voodoo feed where it's like, you know, theater at home, rent the – That I would if I was like just out on a Friday or like hey bird you want to go to a movie and scrolling and it was playing at a theater I would go see it but in my living room I kind of don't care that much really a movie a movie a lot of times for me like these types of movies that we're seeing and are not interested in for some reason they're just an excuse to go to the movies because Mm -hmm. a a movie theater is an amazing place man. Dark close communal space You're all suspending disbelief together. I I mean
1: this in a very real way Like cinemas in general are like My my church dude In in a lot of ways like Not like a religious experience but I have that Like there's something Very Real and Incredible about walking into A a movie theater and
0: and watching I don't know are you worried That they're gonna go away Entirely. Oh yeah,
1: I'm I'm almost a thousand percent sure that they're the what we what we used to know as movie theaters, the Cineplexes, those are going away. What I think is is going to happen is you're probably going to see more um, theaters like the State Theater and Bijou um, come out of this because that's going to take. There's no multi-million dollar corporation like Regency Theaters are going to be able to survive this without ticket sales, without concession sales. They, they're just going to go. And they're too big. Right. As far as the like you, Cherryland Cinema is a huge space.
0: The 20 screeners, the 15 screeners. There's just not,
1: it's not. Yeah. So unless unless they're packing cinemas in the next six months, those are those are going to go away. What what will be sustainable, though, are small theaters like the state or Bijou, where you're going to get an influx of people that are wanting to donate because it is a theater. It's right. part of the community. A historical space. A historical space with a great screen, with a great sound system, and movies are going to start to mean something again because, one, that it, you can't make a movie right now. It will
0: be a rarer experience and a more meaningful Absolutely. one. Absolutely. And
1: I think that that's a great thing. The Cinemaplex, I think, was getting to be too – well, movies are commercial. They're they're a commodity. They're, they're entertainment. We yeah. are asking for – I will give you my money, entertain me for an hour and a half, right? There's an exchange, it's commodity. So it makes sense that you'll have, you want to show as many movies as possible in a day and sell as much popcorn and, and soda so you can make a bunch of money. I get that. But what it has done to like the movie itself or the, the filmmaking process has become too much of a turn and burn, let's make cookie cutter shit just like the last one so that we can get that get that $15 again and give you a, a hot dog and a fucking large
0: popcorn. I, I love what you're saying here. I completely agree. I think in a way, the giant Cineplex as opposed to something like the state theater or the Bijou, the state theater, I profoundly miss that place. That was my I do, favorite I, movie theater. I, uh, we
1: keep talking about it And I keep like, uh, Getting emotional because to... you can't go
0: yes. there, you know.
1: Yes. But, but It's a very special place.
0: It is extreme. It is. It absolutely is. It there's a magic to it. There's an extra layer of magic to going and seeing movies at that place. And I love what you said about cineplexes because the first thing that came to mind was, uh, of course, I knew, I know that I'm a crazy hippie and that's how I sound when I talk a lot of the time. But like, right. when you commercialize, I, it is. It's the capitalist drive, which I understand. We want to show. This movie to as many people Per cycle as we possibly can We're going to show it as many times a day as we can To as many people so let's make a big Theater but those big cineplexes They're like uh, I can't say that that's a bad Comparison but it's just like it's like a big Warehouse it's like a Mm -hmm. big ugly Brick square building And you go in they're nice you know Air conditioned nice carpets but They don't but they lack a certain heart. They lack a certain magic in the same way that those cookie cutter movies do too. And I think it's yeah. the overgeneralization as an attempt to um, to appeal to the broadest number of people that you lose the individual experience. Yeah. You know, you just feel like you're you're sitting in a room with, you know, 200 other people packed into a square and it's it doesn't there's less Look, there's always magic when you're watching a movie in a movie theater. Absolutely. That's a that is Even a sacred experience. Even it's Fast experience. and
1: the Furious 7. Absolutely. There is something something happen- I get it.
0: But there's yeah. a different there's a difference between the lights going down in a in a Cineplex, you know, in a in a a, a room that in a building that is kind of like a high school but instead kinda of classroom. Kind of smells like air
1: conditioning and cleaning
0: like, products. Yeah. Yep. There's a difference between that and a room that smells like dust and old curtains and popcorn, you know, Mm -hmm. and the lights go down and your seat is not brand new and it's not the most comfortable seat. It's got a little too much play in it, you know, Uh there's there's something really profound about that that could be marketed to. You know what I mean? Like I think it's going to have to be. You don't want half-empty theater. You don't want half-empty cineplexes. You want people waiting and unable to get into smaller what a
1: packed movie house. Yeah,
0: house. I mean not in 2020 because that's fucking no. terrifying. I mean, but
1: that's, <laughs> irresp- that's irresponsible
0: and dangerous. Yeah, like this year, let's not do that. But, but you're right. Like that is what happens to stuff like movies. Is you just you try and water it down so that you can squeeze all the profit out of it, and in squeezing all the profit out of it, you choke the heart out of it, you mm-hmm. know. And this is a movie with heart, The Lighthouse, and we're back. There sure is. <laughs>
1: yeah, but like, I would, I would, I would pay thirty five dollars right now to go and watch this on the state theater screen.
0: Yeah, so would I. So would I, as as part of that experience, for sure. And I'm sure there are movies that are going to come out that oh, that sure. I'll, I'll watch from my living room. And, you know. 10
1: years from now, we're going to be at the Regency Cinema 5.0, whatever, watching whatever the next Transformers fucking bullshit.
0: Bird and, you I, know? Were, Bird and I were talking about this. Maybe, and I, I, I cannot tell you how much I hope this happens. But given what's going on in the world today. Do you think we'll see a resurgence of drive-in movie theaters?
1: I would love that. Actually, I had that thought because we have one of the last remaining drive-in theaters in the state and well, in the country.
0: The Cherry Bowl, pretty yeah. close to us. Yeah,
1: that I haven't. I haven't gone to. It excites me to know that it's here, and I always want to go to it. I haven't right yet, but it would be fantastic if it was. I think it was, we just forget about it because we had. We had State Theater, we have the Biju, we had the Cherry Blossom Cineplex fifteen screen. So there's no real reason it's kind of inconvenient, right? You gotta you drive forty five minutes.
0: Although it is right across from a marijuana dispensary, so yep. and <laughs> yeah. they only
1: show like one movie it's j- just after sunset. They only got one turn on the flick and
0: it's a double feature that, right? They usually mm-hmm. do like a yep. kid's movie first. And then, yep, So they can
1: they can fuck off and go home, and then they show the PG thirteen or whatever, whatever
0: yeah. is after. Yeah. Um. So I mean, this might be a fun fun conversation to have on air, so that the listeners can tell us what they think. But Bert and I were thinking, it wouldn't be that crazy hard or expensive to do a drive-in movie theater on a very small scale, using, like, a super badass projector and a, and a screen, so there'd be some some cost. We were talking sure. about doing it as, like, part of the FCK, and Bird was kicking around the idea briefly of, because we're both creative types, of just opening a drive-in movie theater.
1: Well, that could be a performance space as well for live shows, yeah. or for Suede Rainbow To So like to... An,
0: Yeah like an outdoor a Convertible outdoor venue mm-hmm. Type dealio And Dude I would love to see Especially cause look We're all looking at the news And we get it No one knows what the fuck's going on No one knows what tomorrow's gonna bring Let alone Next year Or the next five years But what I've seen It seems like we're kind of Anyone who thinks that like oh the year's almost over as soon as it's January 1st everything will be Why good. Why do
1: people think that as soon as it's 2021 like things are going to be better?
0: It's a liminal space. There it's a I get it. it. It's it is like a reset point for our culture. Every December 31st the old year's done with and the new year starts. People are going to have a little trouble with the continuity I think, but I think we're looking right. at I think we're looking at a world like this for a little while. And if people are serious about going and seeing movies and making movies and screening and showing movies, if that is a thing that we're going to keep in our culture or keep in our world, then I think that drive-in movie theaters are a fucking killer way to do that because not only is it safe in the era of coronavirus, it also reintroduces – the magical experience Absolutely. of this of of a state theater or a bijou theater that has been stripped from it by the Cineplex we've heard for years that movies aren't doing that good you know like yeah. people aren't going to the movies anymore it's all video on demand I think people are reading that wrong It's not that people necessarily want to sit on their couches and mindlessly stream shit all day long although there's definitely some of that if the if people aren't going to the movies anymore. It's not the people's fault It's your fault Make them come back to the movies What did you change that they reacted poorly to? Oh, did you make it a really sterile Soulless experience Where it's just kind of about maximizing profit In modern facilities? There's There's When people talk romantically about the movies in the golden age of Hollywood, it's always the sound of projectors and cigarette smoke in them floating up from Mm -hmm. the crowd. There is a nostalgic element to films. There is a magic to films. And what better way in an era where we cannot sit in closed spaces with each other than to take us back to the drive-in? The drive-in is Shit, an experience. Man, you can even
1: have like a drive-through concession stand, several windows with hot, fresh
0: popcorn. Hell yeah, man! Like a du- yep. like double-barreled popcorn stand. They got it's candy yep. popcorn and soda. It's easy. We're not fucking around with you know chili yep. cheese fries and stuff. And then you park your car, and you've got your speaker, and you make out with your fucking girlfriend, and it feels like high school again. And if you snuck in a couple people in your trunk, we ain't gonna fucking bust your balls, right? Like this, these are experiences. This is part of going to movies that has gone away. These are little magical things. Like there, I mean, it's horrible because he was an alcoholic, and this is not necessarily good. But Stephen King's description in on writing of him and his friend. Um, At a double feature monster movie Splitting a split in two six packs And just chilling mm-hmm. out And smoking cigarettes And, and you're talking And you're kind of half watching the movie But you're really That's, that's a night, man That's a yep. night out You know what I mean? If you want people to come to movies Don't give them a room to sit in And watch a movie Give them an experience To tell all their friends about The next day and then you've yeah. got more people coming to your fucking movie. And a drive in is an experience. Anyway, sorry. That was
1: No, I mean I fucking dig it. That's
0: my take on where cinema should go. I will
1: I will I will put in whatever money I
0: have. <laughs> we're gonna need some more patrons yeah tell your friends this is a listener supported podcast if you like what you've heard hey
1: hey you know if you're in the five or ten dollar tier uh <laughs> you get you get one free uh ticket to any showing uh at the fzk drive-in uh monday through thursday so sorry weekends are excluded hell uh, man i I'd,
0: I'd give out for for pa- for, for big for big patrons if we had a drive-in theater we could do uh we could do one uh Two comp. We could just do
1: like patron nights or we, whatever. We could do
0: patron nights. We could do two comp tickets quarterly. You know, oh, one. Yeah. So four four times a year you get you and you and your loved one and whoever you stuff in your trunk can come and watch a <laughs> flick. Doesn't... Oh,
1: we could do uh, actually we could do a thing where if you have some if you do a trunk stuffer, you get a free bucket of
0: popcorn. <laughs> if you pull off a trunk stuffer and we might check. And we we catch might you, check if we catch you. You we gotta buy it. You
1: out, yeah. we can Actually, give you a free bucket of
0: popcorn. No, if we catch you, you gotta buy a ticket. But if you can sneak a, if you can sneak in a trunk stuffer and you get all the way to your parking spot, you just call us on the intercom and we'll head on over <laughs> and give you a free bucket of popcorn. You scamp. Good job. Good job, Good buddy. Job. We might not have to. We might not be able to do that because people are gonna like die trying. Die to in their sneak.
2: trunks.
0: <laughs> Carbon monoxide don't, poisoning.
1: Don't trunk stuff.
0: Right. If it's you're, unless
1: it's a hatchback. You only hatchback get hatchback
0: only. Okay, caveat like a little those fine print at the bottom, you only get the free popcorn if your friend survives. Yes. If your friend died in the attempt of getting in, we're sorry, but we can't give you free popcorn for that. It wasn't really a successful trunk stuffing. It was more like manslaughter. You murdered somebody. So yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, look, uh, look listeners. So that's
1: the lighthouse, everybody. <laughs> oh
0: god. Well, thank you so much listeners for bearing with us as we get back in the saddle. It's I mean, you guys know. We don't have to tell you. It's we're fucking 8 months into this, 7 months into this or whatever. Things are super weird. Thank you for bearing with us on our choppy releasing schedule. Um I have one episode banked. We're recording this one We're about As soon as I hit stop We're gonna record another one So that's three You're gonna get three episodes Probably three days in a row We have Mm -hmm. another recording session Recorded or scheduled for Thursday And have already seen Both of the movies That we're doing that day So we're pretty much Setting our We're set We've set ourselves back up To get back into A regular release schedule So Because honestly You can only use the pandemic As an excuse for seven months For so long
1: And I completely fucking agree With that man Right at some point at some point you gotta fucking put your big boy pants on and put your headphones on and talk about fucking movies,
0: man. Yes. And look, it's it's scary and crazy and sketchy. Um we did since the last episode we recorded, Bird and I have been tested for COVID twice. So, like, to give you an idea of why maybe it took us took us a long time getting back We've to this. We've been
1: shut down twice, yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, the winery I work at was shut down once. The winery Carl works at, you said shut down twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we're we're doing the show when we can, and we're trying to leave space. I'm sure you guys, and we hope that you're doing this as well. Where Carl and I have explicitly made time and made space space. Just for our mental health Just to give ourselves some time to breathe To catch up on some stuff And uh, you know some Sometimes you just need a day of Wim Hof's breathing app And some meditation So uh, thank you all so much For bearing with us And to the people who support us Over on patreon.com Which is patreon.com Quill and film Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M
1: um, Shit got real sketchy there with my
2: internet. For it a did, second. but I, I just
0: <laughs> I just rolled on through, dude. I I vamped. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. I, I, now,
1: there's I... tons of content over there, and eventually we're gonna we want our patrons, our producers, which which are you folks? Yeah. Uh, to to have a lot more interaction with how the show is. Ah, uh, formatted like uh, we we are gonna put out some polls, like what movies should we watch this month? Like we want more interaction, more one one to one, not just a, a patron on a page, but an actual functioning member of the FCK family. So right, because uh, that's how we feel about y'all anyway.
0: So yeah, we are we're wrapping up season two right now. This is cool. Yeah, it's actually
1: season three.
0: So te- oh yeah, technically we're in season 3. So we we're going to call it the quarantine tapes. We're just making it like a ramshackle season 3. We're going to get yep. to our starting point in March and start fresh. This is an interesting season, but um next season we're going to change a couple things. Carl and I have been talking about it. Um we're going to do two main season episodes per month and two Patreon episodes per month on alternating weeks. And they will all we're still doing a unified theme, so it's all going to be Themed, you know. So if we're doing slashers, there'll be slashers on Patreon and slashers in the main season. Yep. So really, we're we're reducing the total number of episodes we record per month by two, but that's going to leave us more time for music, for a lot of these film projects that we've been talking about. Um, We're starting to put together a film editing suite and studio right now, which I'll talk to you about off mic. I got some very generous offers to pick up some expensive software for us. So uh, that'll leave us a little bit more time for some of the other projects we're doing and also help us to sort of allow ourselves some leeway for those times that maybe our wineries get shut down or we get tested for COVID or we literally Mm -hmm. just kind of need a day. Um, so we're going to do that but hopefully rather than getting less content you'll end up with music content and film Actually, content. Actually you're going to be
1: getting more content at the end. You of the will. Day, so.
0: We're just diversifying the portfolio a titch and you're still going to get all of the all the great movie talk that you've been getting normally. Actually you probably gonna be getting it more regularly because we won't be overloaded and <laughs> stressed exactly. and unable to meet the demand. All right. So the people who are making it possible for us to even continue doing this during this totally crazy and fucked time our Cynthia Van Maynen, uh, Cassandra. Who? Sorry, too into the list to do- sidetrack us here. But Cassandra sent us something. Um, really? We, yeah, we got a box. So Cassandra is she lives down in uh, Florida. She's one of our out of state listeners, which are so fucking cool to have. Um, so she's down in Florida. She's doing good. I've been we've been messaging back and forth pretty regularly since probably. Bef- I think around the time Actually it was before The coronavirus thing She's been Thanks. with us Since uh, Virgin That's Suicides right. In season one That's right But uh, yeah So she's she's kind of like She's witchy And super cool And she's into rock hounding And she lives right near the beach So she's like Does these beach walks And picks up shells And dude The rocks and shells That are in this box Holy shit They're dude. the coolest shit of all time Um, Actually I'll take a picture of the stuff that she sent And post it to uh, Instagram So if you want to f- yeah. I'm at actualmaxp um, I'll post a picture of this box Because it's super cool Thank you so much Shout out to Cassandra for real It's the bomb um, And Bird and I are going to send back a box On behalf of the FCK of uh michigan rocks that she can't Possibly oh, get Petoskey's down in florida oh, yeah, yeah Petoskey stones and leland, leland and blue Leland blue yeah yeah <laughs> So miss we got a lot of uh, Michigan greenstone around here so Um yeah so shout Out to, thank you so much cassandra um I i'm not gonna shout out the Name of it yet because i'm not sure it's in its final Stages but it sounds like she's also kind Of maybe kicking around the idea of starting a Podcast that's I will listen. Dude, always Absolutely. more podcasts for sure. That's our position always. Um, so we'd also like to thank Jeffrey Morgan, Kevin Ramirez, Sarah Hartley, William Rockwood, Brian Jackson, David Rowney, who, by the way, David, keep those fucking memes coming, dude. You're like <laughs> <laughs> He's like the meme
1: king. His memes our, and, and his
0: and his his recommendations for videos and shit. Like he was I think, on point. He might be the reason that I didn't just Walk into fucking Lake Michigan before, Like the day after election day You know when everything was all just mm-hmm. That week where we had no idea what was Happening David Rowney's the reason I'm still here Just making me laugh so David thank you so much We'd also like to thank Kelly and Mike Wagner Daniele Hartelli Connor Sweeney very much Connor Sweeney Who gave us this movie and Midsummer And so many other great films and finally Last but not least the Executive producer of the show, the heart and soul of this show, Casey Shibe. miss you so much, girl. Um, we are back, so hopefully we'll be. You'll be hearing more of our voices. Uh, go and check out their podcast, the podcast she does with her husband, John. Some of us, S U M of us, we love y'all. I think really, I just don't want to say goodbye, but since I'm just gonna talk to you again in like two seconds, <laughs> 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 goodbye.